Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to begin with a brief overview of the lessons that we had today so that you can see this common theme. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. God said to Abraham, fear not. But what was Abraham afraid of? You may recall that a few chapters earlier in Genesis, Abraham had been promised by God, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So at this point, some time later, not exactly sure how much later, but it's a year or more later, Abraham continues on and he doesn't have a child. So what is he afraid of? He's afraid that God's word will not come to pass. That is ultimately what he is afraid of. It's more than even just not having a child. He's afraid that the word of God is not true. And God says, fear not. Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be. And the conclusion of our reading is this, from the Old Testament reading. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord And he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham heard the word of God saying, fear not. Look at the stars. Oh, I tell you, my word will come to pass. You will have a child. You will have offspring. And Abraham believed the promise of God in faith. And God said, that is righteousness, that you believe the promise I make to you. Then we have our reading from Psalm 33, and this theme continues. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. God looks with favor upon those who fear him. Uh, Izzy asked a question a couple, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. I don't know if she remembers. She said, why, why do we fear God? It is, you know, for children, that is a strange question. Why should I fear God? You know, especially kids that are brought up in the church. They are exposed to the love that God has for them. And so this question of fear is hard to understand. Well, fear, in this sense, is reverence and, and awe. It's not just like, you know, uh, jump scare fear. It is not that. It's reverence and awe. We stand in utter amazement at the power and majesty and holiness of God. But notice from this uh, reading from this Psalm 33, the eye of the Lord, the eye of the Lord is upon us who in faith look to his steadfast love. In other words, by faith, we look to God for our good, for our benefit, for our welfare. And God is saying, those who look to me for that shall receive it. My eye is upon you. My my face is turned toward you, you who look to me for this, for the love that I desire to give to you. This is what, what the passage is saying. Then we come to our passage from Hebrews, the uh, sometimes called the hall of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Here in this passage is a recounting of the saints of the Old Testament who walked by faith, trusting in God. It's by faith that uh, our sinful human race is redeemed. Remember, it was Abraham's faith that was counted to him as righteousness. By faith, we draw near to God. And by faith, we call upon God in remembrance of his steadfast love. And when we do this, when we call upon God, remembering his steadfast love, pleading to God, God, I know you created all the universe. I know that you are majestic and holy. I know that I I fear you in the sense of having all of this awe and reverence for you. And yet, I also know, God, that your face is turned toward me, that you are desiring to give to me the things that are needful, the things that I need in life. And when we do that, we are not disappointed. When we come to the gospel lesson, our Lord Jesus Christ says, do not be anxious. Yeah, no problem. He also follows this with more imperatives. You know what imperatives are? They're like, do, don't do. They're commands. He follows with commands. Consider the ravens. You know, this, this is one of these that just doesn't come across. That, the, the same root word is the word we get catechism from. When he says consider, what he's saying is with deep thought and study, make an examination, do a nature study of the ravens and see how God provides for them. That's actually what is all embodied in this word that we say consider. But nevertheless, this is this imperative. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, yet God feeds them. Do not seek what you are to eat. There's another imperative. Do not be worried. There's another imperative. Seek his kingdom, another imperative. In light of all of these imperatives, all good and pious Christians, such as you are, must now ask, how do I measure up? Jesus has given me all these commands. How do I measure up? Am I doing, am I fulfilling these commands that Jesus has given me? Am I too anxious? I don't know. My worrying obviously is betraying something. When I worry, it betrays that, well, I don't have enough faith. My sinful heart, it allows me to worry over these things. Jesus said, don't worry. And yet here I am worrying. Oh, what am I to do? Of course, that leads to even more anxiety. My faith isn't strong enough. How can I muster the necessary level of faith? That's what I need to do. How can I get that necessary level of faith that just pushes me over the edge and gets me to the point where I'm following this command of Christ to not be anxious and to do all that, to to seek after the kingdom. And don't worry about what I'm going to eat or drink or what I'm going to wear. Don't worry about all those things. That's the point I need to get to in my Christian walk. But then I think, yet I still worry. Does this mean I'm lost? 
Well, so if you consider these imperatives, these are, these are imperatives have this sense of command, you know, do, don't do. And so if you take it as law, which is sort of the natural thing to do, we take this as a law that Jesus is giving us that we do these things, then indeed you will most definitely reach the conclusion that you don't measure up. Why? Well, because you do worry about stuff. Your faith, if you want to call it your faith, your faith fails you constantly because you're still worrying. Every single time your thoughts turn inward in selfishness, thinking of yourself and your own needs, your faith has failed you. Every time you put your own needs ahead of others, your faith has failed you. Every time you say to yourself, yes, God, I know that I can help that person in need, but let me just help myself first. Your faith has failed you. Indeed, every time you, you neglect to, to, to do this, this simple command, seek the kingdom. Oh, but we do neglect to do that, don't we? We don't do that like we ought to. So guess what? Yeah, that's right. Your faith has failed you again. Because you're seeking your own welfare, not his kingdom. If you hear these all, these imperatives all as law, then you indeed will be anxious. Don't be anxious. Now I'm more anxious than ever. Because in addition to all the things I was already anxious about, now I realize that being anxious is, is a sin and it reflects a lack of faith. And now I'm more anxious than I was to start with. This is what happened. We read this book. Be anxious for nothing. What did they call that? Be anxious for nothing? John MacArthur. Anyway, I, it was, uh, man, I mean, it, you, you, it's one of these things that will leave you more scared and frightened and anxious in, when you finish it than when you started. But Jesus says more than that. So let's, let's hear the full word of Jesus here. Fear not. He gets through with all these imperatives and then he says, fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. These words of tenderness are a balm and a comfort to the troubled conscience. See, what's going on here is that it's not about your faith. It is about God's disposition toward you. It's about the way God stands in relation to you, the way he looks upon you. It's about his eye being set on you. It's about this. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's along the lines of what we talked about a week or two ago with, you know, what sort of a father whose son asks for a piece of bread is going to give him a serpent? You know, like, and if, and if a, an earthly father can do anything loving and good, how much more our heavenly father? It's the way he looks at us. He looks at us in love and grace and mercy and compassion. You here are holy saints and God looks favorably upon you. You may sometimes feel, and this is what leads to anxiety, you may sometimes feel like your faith fails you. 
Like your faith doesn't measure up. But guess what? Your Savior does not fail you. You may feel like uh, your faith fails you, but the word of the Lord does not fail. The word of the Lord endures forever. It cannot fail. That's what God was saying to Abraham. Don't worry. My word will come to pass. Look at the heavens. Yeah, your offspring shall outnumber the stars of the heaven. See, God's word will not fail. Your faith is not your faith, really. And this is why we, we, have to, we have to get theological about this, because there are some people that are out there saying, make a decision for Christ. No, no. God has even given you that faith. He has worked that faith in you. This isn't up here. That's why there's some really smart people that are unbelievers. And that's why we baptize at this font little tiny babies. Because they have faith. I mean, any mother who's ever ever held a child knows that child has faith. You know, now the object of that child's faith in the context of a, a mothering relationship is faith in their mother. Same thing I was, you know, talk about Violet. I held her upside down as a baby and she was giggling and laughing. And I did it for my, my uh, Baptist preacher friend to show him that, yeah, infants can have faith. She trusted me not to drop her. She knew that I was doing that so that she could be amused, not so that she could be in peril, you know, in peril. That's, that's, a, that's faith. Well, faith is a condition of the heart that God gives us. In baptism, God gives you faith. In hearing the word, in hearing this word of promise, oh, God, I hear what you're saying. You're not against me, you're for me. You desire to help me, to love me, to give me all the things that I need, starting with the kingdom. I mean, he just like, it's a slight breach of etiquette if you've ever seen the Christmas story. Um, you know that, uh, the show Christmas Story? The, guy, the boys are out on the playground and there's a slight breach of etiquette because he goes directly from a dare to a triple dog dare. And he bypassed the double dog dare step. You know? I mean, it's like going all the way to that, that point of like no return. Yet God starts with the kingdom. He says, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, a morsel of bread? Yeah, don't worry, I got that covered too. Yeah, whatever it is you need. Yeah, don't worry about it. The bigger picture is this. It's not, what am I going to do for you? It's, what is my disposition toward you? And that's the message that Jesus is trying to relay to his disciples and to you. That God's disposition toward you is one of grace and mercy and love. (sighs) Believe me, if God's disposition was to smite you for every thing that you did wrong, every sin you did wrong, I would not be here right now speaking to you. And actually, none of you would be here either. We'd all be smitten by now. But that's not God's disposition. God desires to love and to give. And how does he give? Well, he gives us Jesus Christ, our Savior, who took upon himself your sins, buried them at the cross. So you're forgiven, you're redeemed. Now, what's left to be anxious about and worry about? 
Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.